Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. It's those in power that are at the biggest point of leverage for change and the most likely to either help us through this situation or mess it up for a lot of people. Today on episode 548 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with CEO advisor and leadership coach, Susan Drum. I'm going to ask Susan how we can help those we serve as well as ourselves to become more resilient in the face of adversity and much more. You can find out more about Susan along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Susan Drum. Susan is CEO, advisor, and leadership coach with over 20 years of experience leading teams and senior executives to achieve their potential. Her firm, Meritage Leadership, focuses on leader and team effectiveness by helping develop the capacity and mindsets to lead in today's disruptive environment. Susan draws on many disciplines. She has graduate degrees from Harvard Law School, Carnegie Mellon University, and London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Susan obtained the highest level of coaching certification as Master Certified Coach. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here with you. Susan, you have a great background. And in particular, this whole issue of a disruptive environment is um, probably an understatement for what most of us in the world have experienced this year in particular. And, you know, Given the kind of work that you do in your own experience, maybe we could start by talking about what you see as some of the most important strategies for leaders to navigate these kinds of disruptions and and guide others through transitions, particularly in challenging times. Yeah. So I, what we're working on is helping leaders develop true resilience. And, And what I mean by that is the capacity not to just handle in the moment, but prepare for change, adversity, and stress. So that when stress hits, and it will, and it certainly did this year, you're more prepared to do that. And the the reason I got into this is I would see some leaders react in, to the same or very different situation in very different ways. Like what makes some leaders able to handle stressful situation more gracefully while others get their buttons pushed and become reactive, or maybe don't pick up on the change quick enough, which I think in some cases I've seen leaders do as well. Don't recognize that getting feedback from the environment to know, Hey, we need, we need to pivot. We need to pivot now, or this is just going to go away in a month. We should be fine. And then they get And they didn't make the transition fast enough. So even before COVID hit, I was just wondering, is this, is this ability innate? Can it be learned? And if so, how? And really also I came to it from my own use. You know, I, I often have to debrief 360s, which are getting feedback from all those around you and often have to deliver tough messages. And when some of these leaders ego or identity is threatened, you can imagine that they, they'll lash out at me. So 
I also came to it looking at like, how can I maintain resilience in the face of that? How do I make sure I'm not waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, thinking about what needed to happen the next day and how a leader might react to it? And so that's where we started with resilience. And then COVID hit and became even more important, you know, to to look at that and be able to build that that capacity to prepare for change and look at it in a different light. Yeah. One of the things I like to think about when preparing for or making sure that you're as ready as possible for adversity is thinking about like, why do we have fire drills? It's not like, especially in today's, except for what's going on right now in uh, the Western part of the U.S. and some other parts of the world. In general, our building codes have made fires less frequent. And yet, we all have plans of how to exit a building when there's a fire, mm-hmm. right? So why do we do that? And you think about, you you know, like you get on an airplane and there are the messages about what to do if the cabin loses oxygen. And how often does that happen in commercial flights these days? Not very frequently, yet there's a certain amount of preparedness in certain situations that one always has. And I think, okay, well, in other situations... What do you need to know ahead of time so that if something terrible happens, you don't have to try to figure it out on the fly while there's a crisis? Yeah, some of that works really well when it's sort of potential knowable disasters, like a fire is a knowable disaster and we can prepare for that and it's likely or some others. I think what happened in this spring is a pandemic usually only happens once a century, and it wasn't even in the realm of, you know, thinking about how do we prepare for if we get hit by a pandemic, right? And I think when you're faced with that level of a disruption, that's a whole nother level. And it's not so much having prepared plans, although, gosh, if you did, like more power to you, that's awesome. But what are you doing with yourself in being able to handle change and adversity? I mean, if you, you know, as you looked at my background, I've been through a number of iterations and and built up the muscle to be able to handle, hey, this path isn't working. How do I pivot? How do I move out of it? And not seeing that as such a bad thing, but ooh, what what could happen now? Almost excited about it. And that's what I've seen some of the difference between leaders and how they're approaching this. Like, ooh, what can we do now? What, you know, this is not a great uh, scenario, but gosh, this is a great opportunity for us to maybe pursue something we've never done before versus oh my God, let's hunker down, let's retrench and all of all of those kind of uh, behaviors that, that could drive us into fight or flight. Yeah, so what have you noticed and what can we learn from based on your studies, your experience and what you do in your work? Yes, some of what I do in the work is very personal to the leader, right? So if I'm working on, what I notice is whether people get, they're more in a what they call re- reactive stage leadership, where there's a lot of concern around protecting ego, identity, and self-image. Or if they're more in a creative stage leadership, which is like, I'm not concerned with ego, I'm more focused on accomplishing a meaningful mission. Leaders that are more focused on that creative stage leadership are faring better. They have better decision-making qualities, better team dynamics. So a lot of times the work that I'm doing is 
working on three centers of leadership intelligence. And they actually go with how you prepare your body for resilience. So there's heart resilience, head, and body. And the one I could particularly talk about uh, here is the heart resilience piece, because a lot of people think, oh, what are we talking about heart and resilience and preparing for, for disruption in the same sentence? I would say, yes, actually, we do. And that's that's what I can go into if you'd like. Yeah, please. So the interesting fact is that we think neurons only live in the brain, but the heart has its own neurons. Literally, you have a brain in your heart. And the heart sends more information to the brain through the nervous system than the brain sends to the heart. So the brain is actually taking its cues from the rhythm of the heart. And I'm a certified heart math instructor. So a lot of this research comes from decades of research around how our heart affects our ability, our cognitive ability and ability to think when things get stressful and when we have to actually think about pivoting. So the, one of the best ways to shift anxiety and stress is actually to access this intelligence of the heart. And the way we do that is through creating a state called coherence which is an optimal state which heart and head are aligned and in sync. So as opposed to, sometimes we might have, you think about during a stressful situation, you kind of have a foot on the brake and a foot on the gas in terms of how your systems are working internally. In a coherent state, heart and brain are aligned and actually you know, all systems go and you're able to take in more data in the, around in your surroundings than you are when you're in the state of incoherence. And we can actually measure this too. Really? Yeah, you measure it through heart rate variability, HRV. Mm -hmm. So in a coherent state, you have a perfect sine wave HRV. And, you know, we just like gradually up and gradually down, gradually up, gradually down. And in our workshops, we actually demo this real time with participants. When you're in an incoherent state, it's a jagged line where it's it's squiggly set of lines. And you can clearly see when you're in coherence and out of coherence. And so when we have a higher HRV, the better the HRV, the more healthy you are, you activate serotonin, oxytocin, and it's also a marker, frankly, of biological aging. But if you can shift the rhythms of the heart, you can shift the messages to the brain and reduce the symptoms of stress that ultimately create a more resilient baseline. So this goes back to, I say, building the capacity to be more resilient is actually very some very simple practices that involve breathing, that involve focusing on um, a certain type or sets of emotions, because emotions are also very much playing into the part of what's happening when we're not in a resilient state and how we actually shift that state to get in a more resilient state. Is that all making sense? I can- Makes sense to me. Okay. This is, and like I said, there's three different parts to this. When we do workshops on this, there's head, heart, and body. I'm just talking about strictly in the heart coherence piece. And now I practice it with myself. And this is what we do with leaders is there's a, um, and I'll tell you at the end how you can get one of these, but there's a sensor that you clip on your ear and it will measure your heart rate variability and it connects to an app on your phone. And so what I do every morning, I take about five minutes to do some of the techniques. Um, there's several, but one I'll I can talk about in particular here for others to practice. 
I spent about five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. And in a way, going back to your analogy, that's preparing for my fire drill. And then I will also do it, let's say, prior to getting into a meeting, I'll practice this technique that may be stressful that I want to prepare myself for, or perhaps I get triggered in the meeting. Something happened. Somebody said something. You know how these things go. And I feel my heart rate rising or I feel myself getting frustrated or impatient. That's the time to do this technique as well. And actually, you know what? When I was getting um, trained, there were it wasn't coaches doing this. They were F-16 fighter pilots and the chief of police for all of Colombia, uh, the country. And the reason uh, an ENT workers, ER nurses were in there. And a lot of it is how they have to deal with very split second and they uh, decisions that, and they need to be in the highest reasoning part of their brain and not get flustered when, you know, the, the crazy stuff is coming down the pike. And so they were learning some of these techniques as well to be able to train their people. So it's something you can learn. Mm -hmm. It is. It's something you can learn and something that just like physical resilience, you have to do on a daily basis to build your capacity to be able to handle and remain in a coherent state when stress comes at you. Okay. Do you want to know how to do it? Yeah, please. I'm waiting. <laughs> you're, you're like, let's bring it on. So I mentioned before emotions, and these are key to varying heart rate rhythm, the emotion that you're feeling. So um, there are two general types of emotions. There are depleting emotions. These are emotions such as fear, frustration, impatience, anger, and they obviously have a toxic feeling and they release stress hormones. And over time, you know, we're supposed to have that fear. Think about the deer on the savanna, you know, being chased by a lion. Our body was designed to flood our system with short-term things to keep us, you know, outrun the lion. But if we be, and, and really what is happening there are 1400 biochemical and hormonal changes are occurring in your body. So I don't know, what do you think, what's a, what's a situation that's currently draining your energy right now, David? Could even be this pandemic, <laughs> wearing a mask in the store. Right? Well, one that happens to me is, you know, my business is one where my calendar gets planned in advance and filled up. And so sometimes I end up having days that are probably too full of scheduled events with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I'll sometimes not realize it far enough ahead of time to avoid that. So it could be that the morning of, of a day that has too many hours that are already booked, if I'm not feeling physically and mentally as together as I would like to be ready for that kind of day, then I'm like, well, I got to do it anyway, because I can't, you know, it's not, it's not, there are consequences if I try to change things at the last minute. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a common thing. And then, you know, midway through the day, I may feel like, how am I going to have the, the energy and the capacity to be able to deliver the highest quality interaction and engagement with the people that I have committed my time to, to be together with? 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think that's a, that's a pretty common scenario in today's world. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You can think about it as what you said is, God, how am I going to get through the day? You have a certain amount of energy at the beginning of the day, and you can think about it like a battery. And if you deplete your battery, then you're not going to have anything left for the rest of it. So you know, often say, what what are you doing to top up your battery so that you can get when you see that type of day? When that situation happens, what are your feelings about it? What what emotions are present? Is it frustration or what do you, what do you notice about that? Well, sometimes I am um, a little disappointed that I haven't foreseen that that I might might feel a little bit of um, trepidation about having mm-hmm. the capacity to follow through on a given day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a pretty common one, you know, so it's not, yeah. it's not as extreme as, um, as being super fearful about something or a high level of anxiety, because I know that yeah. one, that one of these meetings might have some confrontation in it. It's more like just, I would say a disappointment in myself that I haven't plan my time in a way that might be a little more balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that you feel, I I liken that to if you had a full glass of water and that's, you know, all of the energy you have, there are little drips that are coming out of it, like that disappointment or the big sigh or the heavy feeling that you're entering your day into. And that's already, even just that set of emotions is draining your energy. It's not as heightened as you said, something more fearful, but it's still over time depleting it. So I want to contrast that to renewing emotions because for this technique, we're going to need to do renewing emotions. But I think we talk about depleting ones because how often in the day Whenever you're in this, these types of circumstances where you're feeling depleting emotions, which are basically any negative emotion, that it is directly impacting the biochemical and hormonal changes of your body. So you want to learn, yes, you need to feel them. They may, these feelings may be telling you something, but you want to also take in the data and shift out of it as soon as possible, because not only are you doing damage to yourself over time in terms of your health, but you're also not going to probably come at the day with your best self forward, right? With the highest of prefrontal cortex reasoning part of the brain, depending on how depleting the emotion is, right? Anger being even more depleting than just say a mild frustration or disappointment. Right. So this is a time to use these types of things. Now, the renewing emotion, these are emotions such as care, tolerance, appreciation, those are creating neurochemical changes that are regenerating the system and really offset any any energy drain that you had as a result of other issues. Let's say in the past you were late for work and you got in, you know, and, and that created stress. And when you actually connect to renewing emotions, it's creating the exact opposite. It's a cascade of over 1,400 biochemical and hormonal changes that improve immunity and vitality, such as serotonin and DHEA, which is the happy hormone, right? So there's more, over time, you have improved problem solving in this state, increased intuition and creativity, 
And so it's important to know what are situations that can be renewing to you because we're going to access them in this technique. So can you think actually of a situation that's renewing for you, David? Uh, Sure. When I find that I'm actually helping somebody else get through a challenge they're they're having, Uh and I'm very focused on it, I can perhaps see things they're not seeing and can ask some pointed questions guide them to a better place by the end of the the encounter or the conversation. And then I, I feel really good about it afterwards, that I've been able to help somebody get through a difficult, um, you know, some, some kind of difficult passage. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Great. So in, in our workshops, we have people generate even more of those because it's good to have a whole set for the technique that we're going to do right now. Okay. So you might pick that one or you might pick something else. Okay, so what we're going to do is um, there are many of these techniques. The one we're going to do is called quick coherence. It's part of HeartMath suite of materials that help build resilience. This is not meditation and it's not mindfulness. If you think about it, you can't do this tech, you know, for the ENT worker, they can't like go off in a room and go ohm, you know, in, in the midst of a crisis. So it is something you can do in a crisis. You can do it with your eyes open or closed. It's a two step process. So I'm going to take you through both of those, and I encourage the listeners to also go through it as well. So the first step is to focus the attention on the area of your heart and imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area, breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. Suggest maybe five seconds in and five seconds out. And the second step is to make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative emotion, such as appreciation or care for someone or something in your life. May consider a pet or a favorite place in nature. The key is to try to experience that emotion. Okay. So we went through it a little, in some ways a little quicker, but in some ways a little slower than once you get the hang of it and you know how to reset your system. How do you feel, David, from doing that? I feel calm and I feel, um, I do feel like it restored something. Yeah. It's so simple and yet it's so powerful. And what I've noticed is the more I do that technique, on a regular basis, morning and evening, and as as sometime during the day, that my levels of coherence are rising. And the way I know that is through that app that I mentioned earlier, the inner balance that will measure when you go into that breathing, when you're connecting to a regenerative emotion, that's getting you in a coherent state. That's allowing brain to talk to heart more coherently so that you feel more calm and can make better decisions at the end of the day. So that's as simple as it is. Yeah, it's pretty simple. That's one of them. Now, there's other ones that are more complex around how people tap intuition, coherent communication, creating an inner ease. But until you can be in this state, I can't work with a leader, let's say, to even hear some challenging feedback or whatever may be coming your way. So there are going to be things that knock you off balance. And if you're going to be able to handle handle that situation, this is what you build over time. 
And it's been amazing to see the leaders that really take this on, their ability to shift how they perceive the world, what they're able to do, and just generally approaching, even in this crisis, with a much different energy level than they would have had they not do just this simple practice. Right. And and Susan, we've certainly seen examples this year of how different leaders have responded to what seems to be a really unprecedented crisis that has affected so many people all over the world. And, and some leaders we know have done a really terrible job and some have been remarkably effective at guiding people through a very, very difficult disruption. Yes, yes. It was really, I think the winners and losers are really showing up in how people are handling this type of crisis because it's of a magnitude we haven't experienced, most of us. Absolutely. And I would imagine that this technique can be used for for people in all kinds of roles, Exactly. I mean, that's why it was so fascinating to me. You know, I'm, I do leadership development for C-suite leaders. And I was also with the, like I said, the F-16 fighter pilot, right? So all anyone can use this, but I particularly work with leaders because in my view, it's those in power that are the biggest point of leverage for change and the most likely to either help us through this situation or mess it up for a lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, So Susan, how long have you been using this technique? I've been using this for about two and a half years now. And how have you found that it has impacted your own business? Well, for me, I think I mentioned before, I was having some sleep challenges And I came to this technique to help me personally with that, but also to help some of the stress in doing my job. Often I have to be in a way on stage for eight hours, leading a team or a larger group through a workshop or session, and that can be very draining. So how can I top it off? And and for me, it just has allowed me to have greater stamina. Now I know, you know, in the middle of my lunch break, I can do this technique and I, I'm, imagine I'm charging up my inner battery again. So I'm able to get through the day and therefore my sleep is better. Thankful, thank God, <laughs> um, because of the improved sleep. And then that just carries over into the next day. I feel better and I can make better decisions as a result of that. And, and I'm coming with a sense of calm and peace and stability that a lot of leaders need right now um, to help them think through the, the particularly their organizational challenges. Susan, if someone wants to learn more about this technique, access any resources you have, or get in touch with you about this, where's the best place for them to go? Well, we created a quick two-page handout that listeners can download. It's got an infographic on resilience, which has some of the three parts that I mentioned before and how they relate to leadership qualities, the heart, head, and body. Um, how And also how you can get that coherence measuring device that I mentioned to use with the app on your phone. And you can get that by going, I, I made it easy with my name, susandrum.com slash smashing the plateau, all one word. And Susan Drum is spelled S-U-S-A-N D-R-U-M-M dot com slash smashing the plateau. 
And we will certainly put this in the show notes as well. Great. Susan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. It's been a fascinating discussion about how to prepare for adversity and build up your your resilience. My guest today has been the Managing Director and Chief Empowerment Officer of Meritage Leadership Development, Susan Drum. Thank you again, Susan, for joining us. Thank you so much. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how we can help those we serve as well as ourselves to become more resilient in the face of adversity. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.